G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Connecting faith to life. Vision. The story. I remember going into my room. My head was aching. I was in so much emotional and physical pain. I got on my knees and I cried. Normally, when I would get a beating, I would be so angry with God and say, Why are you allowing this to happen to me? Lord, where are you in all this? For the first time since the abuse started, I raised my hands and I just started singing. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we have one with searing heights and despairing lows. As we just heard, Barbara Harrington Zalumis from Zimbabwe has gone through some extremely difficult experiences relating to domestic violence. But she's also experienced some remarkable peaks as well. We'll hear the ups and downs of her amazing life today on The Story. Barbara is chatting with Karen Hunt. For those who haven't heard of Barbara Harrington Zalumis, give us a little bit of a background of, you know, what life was like for you when you were a young'un and how you got to be in Australia. Okay. Well, I'm so happy to be in Australia and, as you've heard, originally from Zimbabwe and growing up in Zimbabwe was fantastic. Zimbabwe is such an awesome country. Everything about it, you know, just speaks family. When they say it takes a village to grow a child, that's exactly what Zimbabwe is like. The families are very tight and close-knitted and it's just an awesome place place to grow up young children and good morals as well. I would say I loved growing up in Zimbabwe. Been all around my aunts, my grandparents and they really helped shape who I am today as well. You know, just the morals and the respect for elders and stuff like that. I really thank them for that. So that's just about growing up in Zimbabwe. How did we come to Australia? I visited Australia um, a couple of years ago before I started staying here and I just fell in love with the country. I went back to Zimbabwe and Australia never ever left my heart. It just left a special place in my heart. And um, it was during a conference, an action conference in church. I had a vision and in that vision was the map of Australia and different fires coming out and spreading out. And I was like, oh my goodness, God spoke to me very clearly and told me that he had called me to Australia. At that time, I was assisting at church in the video department and I was so passionate about film and trying to put a message out there about God. And I was always frustrated, you know, like when I'd watch what was on TV and be like, oh, Lord, if they'd only done this, if only done that. And the Lord said, well, why don't you go do that? So this was in your church back home in Zimbabwe. Yes. And then I said, "Okay," you know, and I always wanted to add something on to what Mm -hmm. was going on, but I didn't know how to actually do it. So I said, oh, uh, Lord, it'll be fantastic if I got a degree and did something in film and television. And that was the last that I thought about it because I was in Zimbabwe. And at that time, I was working in the church, earning $100 a month in the job that I had. I started sowing seed, Karen, every Sunday because to go to Australia, it was a huge thing. Number one, I was earning, like I said already, $100 a month. I had five kids at the time, two sets of twins and a boy. Wow. And my ex-partner at the time was unemployed. And so to say I'm going to Australia, who, when and how was that going to happen? You're a dreamer, girl. Yeah, you know. (laughs) 
So I said to myself, listen, I'm going to trust in God. And I just began, you know, study. Every time I'd go to church on a Sunday, I would pray. I would always, when I'd, when I'd put money in the offering, I'd put a dollar or five cents. To me, it didn't matter. It was my way also of keeping the hope alive of what God had shown me mm-hmm. in the vision mm-hmm. and what I really desired. And it also takes me back to when I was 18 years old as well. And my twin sister Hazel and I, we, we stood on the balcony one day and we just started talking about, you know, and I, I led it to the Lord actually. And then we started talking about what we would do for God, what we would really like to do for God. And she said, wouldn't it be nice if we could do some Christian movies that will really impact the world for Jesus? And I said, okay, Hazel. Let's pray in our childish faith. And we held hands and we prayed and we said, Lord, please use us to bring glory and honor to your name in the name of Jesus. And and we talked about through movies and films, you know. And anyway, you'll understand later how important that story really is. So um, what happened then was... um, as I was stepping out in faith and praying and believing God to go to Australia, Karen, I was put in action to my faith. I did a list of daily confessions with the kids, and I said every time I would go with them to work, um, I was going to work and I was driving them to school, I would say, let's do our daily confessions. And you know what was on those daily confessions? We're going to Australia. Wow. God has made a way. He has provided us our visas. And I remember in the car we would sing the song, Yes, We Can. We can do anything if we try. And that became our national anthem. At that time in Zimbabwe, Karen, there was a lot of electricity cutouts. And um, it, sometimes in the dark, without any electricity, we'd have our supper under the fire or candlelight. And I, we would say, okay, one of my daughters is called Talitha. I would say, Talitha, tell me, what's your room going to be like when we get to <laughs> Australia? You know what, Karen? That's all we had. You spurred them on. Yes, you know, because I tell you something, there's nothing like childlike faith. Mm. Jesus has come to me like little children. Mm. And I tell you something, when the kids get a hold of that vision, they run with it, I tell you. Mm. So how old were Mm. your kids at this stage? You said five children. Exactly. From what ages? Um, My oldest girls are 17 years old. They're twins. Now? Yes. How old were they then? Um, Autumn and Talitha at that time were 10. Okay. How old was the Um, youngest? Jedediah right now. Jedediah. Is fourteen, so four, okay. yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So um, I tell you something; it was amazing. Why Australia? Why not Canada or England or Tahiti? <laughs> I think. Well, I hadn't been to Canada or Tahiti. <laughs> I'd been to Australia, and God had shown me so clearly okay. in that vision, Australia. Okay, so from that first visit, uh, visit, yeah, to here. Yeah, and the Australian people, I tell you, Karen, such wonderful people. When I came down to visit, it was just awesome. The atmosphere, kindness, the friendliness. I just loved the place and had a peace about Australia. Can you fill us in? Where was your husband at this stage of the story with you and your five children? My husband was there and we were going through a pretty rocky situation. And financially, things were bad, not only for him, but the country as well. Uh, there were a lot of sanctions placed on the country because of political issues that I don't want to go into, right? Right now and sure. um, yeah, and at the same time, also going through domestic violence in the home as well. Mm. 
And so struggling with that as well as believing God to take us to Australia still as a family and still hoping and praying for a change in my marriage, a change in my home. Mm -hmm. And I actually thought the change to Australia would bring hope as well to my marriage. So how long did it take to actually arriving? What actually took place is that eventually we did end up coming to Australia because my ex-partner managed to get a job and God moved us. Just like one year, two years? I would say Karen, it took about two years from when I started believing Mm -hmm. and trusting in God to go to Australia. Mm -hmm. I never ever saw anything in the physical to show me that I was going to go to Australia until later. It's like I kept on believing and hoping without seeing anything. Sometimes it looks as if nothing's happening, nothing's working, but you just keep on believing, you just keep on hoping. You know, Karen, I gave notice at my workplace and jobs, to get jobs at time was so difficult. I gave notice and I gave them a date. I said, Lord, this is a date. I said, I'm going to Australia. On this date, I'll be gone out of quarter playing. Karen, I didn't even have a cent. We needed about five and a half thousand dollars for the kids and I to catch the plane. I didn't even have a cent. Mm -hmm. And I get to work and everybody's saying, yeah, you're going to Australia. And in my heart, I'm like, Lord, do these people even know? Mm -hmm. But long story cut short, Karen, the money came and we left on that day. The very day? That very day. You flew out? We flew out. And because of time, again, I can't go into that, but I'll Mm -hmm. tell you something, God is faithful. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first day day that God brought the money through was I was driving into work. I was so discouraged and I'm like, Lord, I'm telling everybody I'm going to Australia. I don't even have one US dollar. I said, learn an Australian one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Lord, I need encouragement here. Karen, I got to my office and as I got in, I was getting ready for a boardroom meeting. I put my bag down, ran to the boardroom. I was a bit late. And guess what? One of the pastors comes to me shook my hand and said, I heard you're going to Australia. God bless you. And I kid you not, the Holy Spirit said to me, here is your hope. I didn't look at it. I put it in my pocket, went through that whole meeting, really anxious about (laughs) what was in my pocket. Got back to my office and guess what? It was 100 US dollars. Mm. Karen, my ex-pastor told me, if what is in your hand is not enough, so it is seed. Mm -hmm. That's what I heard in my spirit. And I took that $100. I said, Lord, I thank you. I lift this up to you as an offering. And then I donated it to a group of ladies that were going to America. And that's what I kept doing. And God just kept giving more. After that, people just started taking me for lunch. Are you going to Australia? And they'd slide envelopes across mm-hmm. the table. And I'd say, Lord, do you want me to give this? Do you want me to keep this? And he says, no, I know now that I can trust you. Keep wow. it. And so that's how we ended up in Australia. You're listening to The Story. Today we're hearing Barbara Harrington-Zalumis from Zimbabwe share her remarkable journey. We've just heard the amazing way she came to live in Australia. Next, she'll share about an extremely difficult period of her life, dealing with domestic violence. Back with more soon. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Karen Hunt's conversation with Barbara Harrington-Zalumis from Zimbabwe. As we've been hearing, her family has overcome many obstacles just to be able to live in Australia. 
However, once they arrived, problems relating to domestic violence began to surface. We came to a small town called Roma, the most awesomest town with the most fantastic giving people. So Roma in Queensland. Exactly. And when we arrived, Karen, all we had was a mattress in a four-bedroom house and the real estate agency had given us the house without us having to pay bond. My ex told them that we don't have any money and they said, don't worry, just pay a little bit extra on your rent. And that's how we paid off the bond. For the first night when we arrived, we slept on a mattress. Or... Six of us. Mm. A mattress, the whole family. The whole family. And then we went to church on a Sunday. That's the first place we went to. We were jet lagged. We could hardly keep our eyes open. I couldn't really remember who I met because I was so tired. I get back home. I go to bed. Then a couple of hours later, I hear a knock on the door. And it's a couple of people from the church. An elderly gentleman hands me an envelope and he says, this is a blessing from the Lord. You are looked after, honey. Oh, I tell you, Karen. Yeah. Yeah. And so I open this envelope and there's all this yellow money. And I didn't know that there were $50 notes. Mm. I was just praising God. Mm. I was just praising God. I'm a firm believer in sowing seed. I truly believe that the seeds you sow today, whether it's good or bad, the Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, so shall he reap. And when we left Zimbabwe, I said, we're not selling anything. We're not taking the TV or anything to sell. We're going to sow it a seed. And we didn't sell anything. We gave it away. I said, Lord, I can't carry a sofa to Australia. (laughs) What I can do is that I can give it away. Mm -hmm. And I can believe you for a a couch in Mm -hmm. Australia. Mm -hmm. When we were in Roma, a lovely lady ordered a couch from Israel. It was affecting the health of her son, brand new. And guess what? She blessed us with that mm. couch. God blessed us with the couch all the way from Israel, got someone else to order it. And when he got there, I suppose she realized this is not for me. This yeah. is for this family. From the nation of God. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Yeah. Unfortunately, during this time, we were still going through a lot of problems in the marriage. God was blessing us. God was opening doors. Someone blessed me with a car. We had the first Christmas ever in Australia. And after two years being in Australia with my ex-partner, I ended up running away one morning with my kids because I'd come to a place whereby God told me it was time to get out because of the physical abuse. And basically because my ex-partner had said to me that he wanted to be with somebody else and that was his ex-partner. God said to me... From Zimbabwe? Yes, from Zimbabwe. My heart, you know what, Karen, I said, Lord, you know, change his mind. But he didn't. The next day he went and he got my mom and he told my mom, I don't want your daughter anymore. Mm -hmm. He didn't tell me he was calling my mom. And that was just the worst. And Mm -hmm. I went to God crying after confronting him about bringing this other woman here and turned into a physical situation again. I remember going into my room. My head was aching. I was in so much emotional and physical pain. I got on my knees and I cried. Normally when I'd get a beating, I would be so angry with God and say, why are you allowing this to happen to me? Lord, where are you in all this? For the first time since the abuse started, I raised my hands and I just started singing. I will always give you the glory, worship you only by Martha Munizi. And you know what, Karen, I don't know. I found myself in bed. The last thing I remember was on my knees, crying, raising my hands. I got up, I was in bed, I was asleep. I had been sleeping for three hours peacefully. And then the Lord said to me, it's time to go. 
And so the next morning, I packed my bags. He had gone to work with the kids. I phoned DV. They put us on a bus. And we came to Brisbane. It was the longest bus ride I've ever had in my life. I was leaving my past and I was leaving what I thought was the future God had for me. Going to a city I'd never been into, I had the biggest migraine. It never left me for a week, even after we arrived at a women's refuge in Brisbane. I entered into a huge state of depression. They had to separate the kids from me. And at one stage, they took me to a mental hospital because mm. I was losing weight. Mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking straight, and I just wanted to die. Mm. And when they hear you talking suicide, I was like, God, where are you? Did you bring me to Australia to destroy my home? Now, my faith wasn't as high because now I'm, I'm in waters that I've never been yeah. in before. Stress, I'm in a sit- yeah. grief. Yes, I'm in a city that I don't know. And I'm like, I've got no hope. I've got no future. But Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, for I, for I know the plans I have for you. I didn't know them, but God knew. Mm. Anyway, in the refuge, I got a caseworker. And the caseworker, she said, let's set goals. And so after a while, they brought the kids back to me. And um, I started gaining weight. I started eating. And the goals was number one, get the kids back into school. And then one of the things that I was passionate about on that list was going to university. And I remembered that God had called me to Australia. And my passion and desire had always been to do film and TV projects to glorify God. A light just lit up with me. I said, Gemma, I'd love to go to uni and do a degree in film, television, and new media. And you know what? I graduated a year ago with a degree in film, television, and new media. Congratulations. Yeah. How long did that take? It took three years, and I was a full-time student, and I give God all the Full-time. Five children, full-time, single mum. So the Women's Refuge that you came to, how long Mm. were you placed there as a family? Um, We were placed there for six weeks, and you're not allowed to stay there any longer. Well, the one I stayed in, you're not allowed to stay any longer. It's just temporary accommodation. So from there, when we kind of like thought we'd found a place, then they told us we needed to go into another temporary housing, which we did. And at this stage, it was a house now. It wasn't a refuge. It was a four-bedroomed house, but it still wasn't our home. It was a temporary accommodation. Then we moved to the house that we're in now that God blessed us with, that I believed for again. I told him I wanted a house, a four-bedroom house with the palm trees outside, and I got a four-bedroom house with palm trees outside (laughs) three months later. So support around you, Mm. where did you find that? What did it look like? Um, At that stage, I didn't have any support. In Australia, there are fantastic systems in place. Because we didn't have an income. I thank God for organizations that they've put that are available, like the Salvation Army, St. Vincent de Paul. We could go there and get vouchers and food. You know, when you get into a refuge, they're worried about your protection and stuff. So you can't contact family and friends and Mm -hmm. tell them where you are. They can't come visit you. Mm -hmm. So that was very difficult. But then after we got our permanent housing, I started going to church. I met some fantastic people there. There was a lovely lady called Cecily. She came to my house and she helped me start a garden and put fertilizer. And we planted a pawpaw tree. Karen, that pawpaw tree is bearing fruit. And I always say to people, it represents my life. You bet. How God came and he dug the hard ground Mm -hmm. and he fertilized it. And now it's bearing fruit. Because after I graduated, I went on to be an ambassador for 
the university, uh, QUT University, the Learning Potential Fund, which really helped me complete my education. Wow. Isn't God's favour absolutely amazing to come out of the Women's Refuge, to have your own home, to get the kids back into school, yourself into university, to hook in with a brilliant church, and of course, the doors have continued to open. Now, your sister is with us, Hazel, your twin sister. Now, you gorgeous girls were there in Zimbabwe on the balcony of your home as young women dreaming, dreaming of making a difference, being an influence throughout the world for the glory of God to his girls, to his women. Tell us your perspective of that moment when you were young. Karen, well, I'm so ever grateful for my sister Barbara because she led me to Christ. At that moment, I, um, before she led me to Christ, I was drinking excessively as a young woman, as a young lady, and always partying. And she used to annoy me with <laughs> all this God message, Jesus stories. And I used to wear my low-cut jeans and I'd say, dress so um, nicely, but not with the latest trend. I'd always say to her, you have none of the latest music. Why aren't you wearing the latest Britney Spears trousers? And she used to annoy me. But one day when I was drunk in my bed, I just had a, an encounter with God and I was crying. And I said, Lord, I don't want to do this. I'm called for something greater. Help me, save me. And I called my sister the next day and I said, I'm so tired of this lifestyle that I'm leading, partying every weekend, going out and constantly and having no peace. I want what you have. And so she took me to church. She led me to Christ and uh, we'd constantly meet and talk. And then we met at, at my uh, flat and then we started dreaming and talking about television and how we'd want to impact the world for Christ. God bless you, ladies. What an amazing story in itself. God's purposes are huge aren't they? Amen. And congratulations, Barbara. You are newly engaged. Yes, Karen. Can you tell us a little bit about your hubby and, and his part in your life right now? Yes, um, I'm really excited. I'm hubby engaged. to be, I should say. My hubby to be, yeah. <laughs> I met an awesome gentleman and his name is Jason, um, a man of God, and I just call him my own Dave. You know how Joyce Mayer has Dave? He's my Dave, <laughs> always motivating me and encouraging me from yeah, the sidelines nice. and pushing me to be the best woman that I can be. I was sharing with Hazel last night that I was talking to him over the phone last night and I just said to him, listen, how about we pray? And I hadn't even discussed with him the things that were on my heart. As he prayed, he presented to God everything that was in my heart mm. that I haven't even talked to him about. Mm. I truly believe he's my soulmate. I love him. <laughs> hey, God bless you. God bless Jason. Hazel, thanks for stepping in and joining your sis here this morning. Thank you, Karen. Yes, thank you for having us. Wow, what a tremendous story of faith and overcoming from Barbara Harrington-Zalumis from Zimbabwe, who was also joined at the end by her sister Hazel as well. A remarkable example of trusting in God, even in the most desperate of circumstances. And of course, the Bible says, if we draw near to God, He will draw near to us and will be with us through the valleys of life. Very encouraging. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. My memory of the day we were told I was sitting on his bed and 
the doctor stood there and he told us what it was and he told us there was no cure and I think Peter and I both at that point realised that his life was limited and I believe that we both accepted that right at that point. Margaret Penford was married to her husband Peter for over 40 years when they found out he had a terminal illness. We'll find out how they spent their remaining time together and what we can learn from their experiences next time. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.